we just want to give a really, um, you know, we just want to honor you, Cindy. You know, you've really, um, if you don't know Cindy, Cindy is a musician and a songwriter. You know, our, our girls know her as the one who, who wrote the song for the, um, is it MasterChef? And, uh, you know, and so you, you've really, really gone up in their estimation, you know. Soundtrack for MasterChef, that's just right up there. And, uh, but, you know, you've, been, uh, you've just been a phenomenal voice around the nations and around New Zealand. I know you're burning with a word for our, name, uh, our nation at the moment. And so why don't you put your hands together and give a really, really warm welcome to Cindy Rokeri. Tēnā rā tātou katoa, ko Cindy Ruakere Takuingwa, no Taranaki Ahau, no Taranaki e noho ana. My name is Cindy. I am um, from Taranaki and I've recently returned, so that's where I um, belong now. Oh, I see some familiar faces. Oh, tēnā koe. Um, yeah, so I do have a message burning tonight, man. Um, and... It's, a, it's such a joy to be here. It's a, um, it's a, a privilege to be counted as a friend of, of Hope Centre. And, um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge uh, this house. I want to acknowledge the history of this house and um, not just this actual building, but uh, what it has represented going right back um, to the 30s, really. And uh, so I just I want to acknowledge the, um, the whare tonight, tēnā koe. And uh, I want to acknowledge the Lord, tēnā koe e pā, and uh, the one that, that holds your heart. I, I recognise that. I understand that, um, that you are passionate about serving um, uh, the one that you love, that you're passionate about um, declaring the name of his son. And so, um, yeah, I want to acknowledge you. And so I, um, I just have a little... I know it's probably going to embarrass you, but I have a word for Miriam. Yes, there she is, and um, and 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 I, I looked over at you tonight, Miriam, and um, and immediately that that um that scripture came to me out of Matthew seven, and it's and it talked about who, um, the parable that Jesus had, the uh, about the one who built his house on the rock and the one that built his house on the sand, and and oftentimes when I talk about that actual scripture. Um, you know, like the, the, the parable goes that um, the, the, the ones that hear my word and obey is like the man who built, built his house on the rock and um, the floods came and, you know, the house didn't fall. He hears my words and doesn't do them is like the man that built his house on the sand. And, and I often have said this over the years and I say, who is the rock? And everybody yells out, Jesus or the church. Or, um, but they haven't listened carefully to what the parable was saying which is the nature of parables. You know, um, Jesus never, he doesn't make it easy for us to, to uh, get the quick revelation. We have to search it out. It's the wisdom of kings um, to search out. It's the, it's the wisdom of God. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. And, and, um, and so the, that parable is talking about obedience. And I want to say to you tonight that you have built your house on the rock, Miriam. And what I felt is, and, and I wanted to honour you, and I, I know this will be, uh, you, you, you might be embarrassed, and I'm, I'm really sorry, it's not what I want to do. But I wanted to honour you publicly, because I felt like what's actually happened, and, and you've probably seen this at times, that um, 
that they actually build houses into the rock, and I feel like the rock is actually growing inside of you. And, and um, because of your obedience and your heart of service to the Lord over all these years, I felt like as we come into um, potentially more tumultuous times, the steadfastness of who you are is going to be such a great um, help and a real key for people who, and these will, these will be Christians who have been followers of Jesus for many, many years. And, um, but the, the, it's going to come a time where, when there will be unsettling, more unsettling, more tumultuous times. And those that are steadfast, those that have allowed the rock to actually grow into their whare, into their house, they're the ones that people are going to look to. I feel like you are one of those people. So I want to acknowledge you tonight that the rock is actually growing inside of you. There's a steadfastness to you. And, um, and I, I want to, th- this word is saying to you that God is going to use you to bring stability in the lives of others. It's not even about what you say. It's the way that you live your life, the way you have lived your life. And, and um, not only Christians, but that people are going to come to you. And it's like, what is it about you that you're not all freaked out or upset because you carry that stability because you have built yourself deep into the rock? So I just want to acknowledge you tonight. And I, I, I knew it wouldn't take me long to get warm, but here we go. Oh, thank you. Oh, look, here's my cloak carrier. Kia ora. Um, <clears throat> You know, I just I loved uh, hearing about the you know, that song about the the dry bones and and um, because I'm convinced and I shared this this morning and, and I'm sorry uh, for the, for those that weren't here this morning but this is a message specifically for this church and if you're a guest you can uh, embrace the message and be be glad and, and excited for this church but this I believe this message is specifically for this house when um, I, as I said this morning, I can, I'm convinced that there's a, a move of God happening deep in Te Māori, deep in the Māori world. It doesn't look like what we, we think or what we expect, but those of you that have studied history must realise that that's always been the way that God has, has um, unfolded his move. Every successive revival has always brought resistance from the previous one. And hopefully we can learn this time, hopefully we can learn... That, um, and embrace what God wants to do. Because it won't look and sound like what we think. It's not going to be a better version of the old model. Because, you know, when we hear God is doing a new thing, we go back to, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a better version. But it's not. It's going to be a new thing. It's going to be completely new and completely different. And we have to be prepared to embrace that. And I feel like God is giving you the opportunity because you've come through different moves. Um, hope, centre, lower hut. And so you are better positioned. So that, that gives you um, a, a head start in some ways. And it's not a head start because you're awesome. It's a head start so that you can actually show people the, the way as well, because that's the nature of the prophetic. But it was um, when, when we were singing that song, <clears throat> and I'm really hoping I don't lose my voice, uh, when we were singing that song and then you got up and you, and you talked about the, the bones, well, this, this is the nature of the prophetic, <clears throat> that um, I, the name of my, um, I've, I've been an itinerant minister uh, for 23 years, and the name of my uh, ministry is Haruru. Now, some of you might know what the word Haruru means. Um, it means a sound, right? 
or a, like a raw. There's harudu falls up at Pai here. So it's a, it's a raw. And so um, I, I named my trust that because I just thought, you know, I'm not really a delicate, quiet person. I do carry a bit of a, a raw and a bit of a punch at times. But um, I was up, uh, up far north and... And I was, and, um, I was in, a, in a hui, a, a conference, and this person said to me, um, do you know what harudu means in Ezekiel 37? Harudu's there. And I said, oh, what? And so um, I just, I want to go there because I, I, I feel, one, it also, is, it's confirming for you, um, Miriam, but it's also speaking into this house. Because one of the things about Ezekiel because we, we preach about this all the time, right? But one of the things about Ezekiel, he heard and he obeyed and he prophesied. Back to Matthew 7. The person that hears my words and obeys them is like the man that built his house on the rock. He who hears my words and doesn't obey. We're going to have the opportunity. Everybody will hear. Everybody will have the opportunity to obey or not obey. And it's not even a matter of like outward rebellion. It's just the um, being too afraid, or it's it's other things are um, are more important, or um, other things are taking precedent. Um, precedence. So that was the thing about Ezekiel. He heard, he obeyed, and he prophesied. As simple as that. So then it comes. The hand of the Lord was on me. Brought me up with a spirit. Saw a valley of dry bones. It was great singing that song tonight. Um, he said, prophesy to the bones, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, I'll make breath into you, carrying on, I'll attach tendons to you, um, and I will put a breath in you. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. There was a harudu. <laughs> and I didn't even know that. Because you know what the, the sound is, the harudu is? What is it? What's that harudu? What's that sound? What? Bones, what? Bones, what? Bones rattling. What were they doing? Coming together. The bones coming together. The harudu was the bones coming together. This move, I say to you, and I prophesy it, and, and I've seen it at the beginning to unfold. This move, the, the, the outworking of this move of God, will be reconciliation. It'll be reconciliation because we of all people, Jesus said in, in John 17, they will know that I am the Christ when? When they see the love that you have for one another. We've done such a poor job. We have an opportunity to reconcile. We have an opportunity to, to actually be those bones coming together because we can, we can sing that song and it's a great song and we can read this, this scripture. It's a great scripture, but it stays up there somewhere. It's this nebulous thing. This thing up there, oh yeah, the bones came. Well, what does it actually mean? We've got to pull that down and actually, like, what does that mean for me? How do I not just like prophesy to the bones, but how do I how do I become a part of the fulfillment of that prophecy? Because this was speaking to Israel who were dead and and disenfranchised and, and broken and separate and separated out. So we've got this opportunity. The Spirit of the Lord is coming, I believe, in this whole area 
of, of um, wanting to showcase what true reconciliation looks like. And it has to start with our treaty partners. It has to start with tangata whenua and tangata tiriti. Now, if you, you know, like I, I acknowledge that all the nations that are represented in this church, but you come under that, you are welcomed through the covenant which was given by God. Māori saw it not as a contract, not a commercial thing. This was a marriage, like you guys representing the marriage of what it means about two people coming together, becoming one. And, and it was God's pleasure. You know, we talked about his pleasure. It was his pleasure to showcase his heart of two peoples becoming one. But then it got snatched away by the enemy uh, through, through the brokenness and the wickedness of, of, of people and men, actually. But God is still about wanting to see that marriage um, uh, declared and showed and revealed. Because once we, we, we begin to see that true reconciliation, and the church has to be at the forefront of this, we have to be the ones that, are, that, are, um, that are, are willing to take the first steps, not the last steps. I'll just wait and see what happens. We've got to be willing to take the step forward. If this really is God, I don't want to miss out. And I've been seeking him for a long time regarding this and regarding this message because I believe that um, this is what's taking place at the moment. And as I said, deep within the Māori world, it's unseen. And like I shared this morning, it's like hidden in plain sight. And a lot of the church doesn't even recognise what's going on because there's a disconnection there, because there's no reconciliation. There's no connection. But I tell you that Jesus is moving. Jesus is moving, and his name is Ihu. His name is Ihu Karaiti. And he is moving, and there's an there's a, there's a, a awakening that's going on. And yeah, there's there's been um, there's been uh, opposition to the to the church, but you know what? A lot of that past, they've got a legitimate right. You know, some of the behaviour of the church in the past has been terrible. You know, I mean, I could I could tell you stories like even um, at the beginning, you know, during the the 1800s, and even going right up to the 1900s, um, because the the you know one of the main um, the uh, Christian uh, voices and, and, and people was the Anglican Church, and they wouldn't even allow Māori to be leaders. <laughs> and yet Māori were, were the, the, um, uh, the, the, the most um, uh, people that were going around declaring the, the, the gospel. You know, like they, they said that um, when the revival was in its full swing, there was over 500 Māori um, evangelists that were going around preaching the gospel around the nation. Over 500. That's documented. This thing was taking place, and yet they still weren't recognised within the hierarchy of the church because they were Māori. They weren't allowed to be leaders because they were Māori. And yet, oh yeah, you can go off and do your thing, boy. But they weren't recognised, and I think the highest that they were allowed to be was a deacon. And see, that spirit still remains, and the pain of that still remains within, deeply within the hearts of Māori. And yet, you know what is, over, um, is beginning to stir even uh, over that, um, that mamai, that pain, 
is Jesus is moving deep in the hearts of the people. I tell you, I've seen it again and again and again. In the most unlikely places, God is moving. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so, as I've said to you this morning, is there a tissue? I've got this problem again. Hold on, I might have a tissue myself. Hold on, I might just help myself. Yes, I do. <laughs> Excuse me. I shared it with you this morning. You've been invited on this journey of revival. And again, we've got to take out the glasses off that said it's going to look like this. It's not going to look like anything that we know or think. Get used to it. If any of you that has watched The Chosen, get used to different. <laughs> get used to different. But, you, but the thing is about this move, it's like you're going to have to sit down first and count the cost. Do you want it same old, same old? Because you can have it if you want. But for those that are saying there must be more than this, there must be more than this. That, that, that cry that comes up in the heart. You've got to count the cost, the cost of the unknown, the cost of not understanding, the cost of being misunderstood. You've got to count the cost. I think we should try and get one more. Any more tissues happening? Thank you, Ngamahi, Ngamahi. Um, and, and again, I, just, I want to reiterate to you both, God brought you here. I believe part of the reason he brought you here is because of this that is unfolding at the moment, because you have a missional heart. You think like missionaries. And God is calling to you and say, you now need to be missionaries in your own land. What does that mean and what does that look like? How are you going to do that? And, and I think that's going to be um, something uh, uh, that will require you... Uh, going to a place of prayer uh, uh, as you process it. But that's in your DNA. That's who you are. It's always been who you are. And so coming into, into this environment, it's like how do you take that missional call? Because I believe for this moment, the missional call is into our own land. Not that we forget about the nations, but you know what? The thing is that once we get this, God is going to call us to take it out to the nations. Because one of the hallmarks of this move of God, which is reconciliation, God is, is, I believe, he's saying to us to take it to the nations. Because the biggest issue that we're facing at the moment is, is um, division. It's like right from, from, from marriages right to nations. And we will take this beautiful gift of, of uh, first being reconciled to Jesus and then being reconciled with one another. Because as we've seen, like, even scripturally, it's like that, that was always the issue that the disciples faced. They always had radu with each other, and they had to learn to how to work it out. They had to, they had to figure it out. They had to, they had to figure out when, when um, the, the vision came down of the, all those unclean animals on the table. What did that mean? And again, like I said this morning, it didn't happen in a matter of a couple of weeks. You know, one of the things that I, I asked um, David Garrett, uh, a great hero of mine, a dear, I count him as a dear friend, 
And as you know, that David and Dale Garrett were, were like the, 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 I'd call them the grandparents, I guess, of, of the modern praise and worship um, movement. And, and that came about during the Jesus revival of the, of the 60s and 70s. They became the, 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 the song and the sound of that charismatic move that broke out through the whole earth. And um, so I said to him one day, he was sitting at my kitchen table, and I said, David, um, what is the difference between the move that happened in the, in, uh, the Jesus revolution and what is currently unfolding? And he said something profound. He said, God is giving us the opportunity to prepare. He said, what happened in that first, uh, in that Jesus revolution was it happened so fast. And there will be some of you here that were a part of that. He said it happened so fast that, that people didn't have a chance to prepare, you know, like going from, you know, 200 to 2,000. And you imagine, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you imagine not having structures in place to go from 200 to 2,000 and, and the potential for chaos. And, and I've been saying to people as I've been travelling, prepare now, prepare now, put things in place, put things in place. And as, as you as I'm calling you to go out and to engage in the Māori world, put things in place now. Learn the real, the, best, the basic things. Learn, learn how to say words properly. Just even basic to say kia ora. I tell you, it's, it's, it's got kudos. It carries weight. Go, go to um, a, a level one um, te reo class. Because this thing is happening, and it's not about doing something PC. You are engaging in what I believe the Lord is moving and doing in our time, in our nation. And you have the potential to be a conduit between what God is doing in Te Māori and the church. Because our expectation is that when God moves, he's going to move here. Because we're so, we're so egocentric that we would think that God's moving, and of course I'm going to be right in the middle of it. <laughs> and we have to be willing to lay aside that way of thinking that perhaps what we've prayed for, we might be on the sidelines seeing it, but rejoicing anyway. Because I tell you, I, I just feel like the pain of those that were, have prayed for decades and that they would miss out the opportunity of being part of what they have prayed for, how devastating would that be? And yet that's what's happened in the previous moves of God, that when, when he's moved, it's like that the very ones that have prayed for it, when it started happening, they could not see that it was God and they resisted it. They would be far from us, that we would be ones that would resist the workings of God. And you know what? One of the key components of this move is you won't understand. <laughs> Welcome to your future. <laughs> you won't understand it, but those that, and even you know, having that prayer about those that, um, prophetic and being sharpened, one of the key ways is like our foundation, of course, is scripture. That cannot be moved. You know, Jesus said that, um, here, that everything will pass away, but my word will remain. In the beginning was the word, of course, the understanding, the interpretation of that word. But his word remains. So we can, um, we can feel stabilized and, and safe because we're founded on that word. But we have to be brave enough to step out 
of what we, our, our understanding of the way that we think that God is going to move. We've got to be brave enough to not fully understand it. It was so, it was wonderful. I was um, down in Christchurch last weekend and I, I shared this message and the, this, um, several couples came up to me afterwards actually and um, they, they said that they experienced exactly what I talked about. That when it started happening in the 70s, um, they had ministers coming to them with the, the leaders and the elders admonishing them and saying that it was demonic what they, what they were entering. This is the charismatic move, that what we do, <laughs> that it was demonic and evil. And um, uh, it was so great because I, I, I got to ask some questions and a little bit back to what, what da- David said. Um, because I asked him, I said, how long did it actually take to unfold? And again, you know, what I said about the tablecloth and the, um, the animals. He said probably about 10 years from when it first started to swirl and move and the resistance and the, and the, um, the, the small numbers and the, and the fear and the uncertainty. He said um, before it really started to, to take a hold, it was probably a decade. So what I see happening in Te Ao Māori, I, I believe, has, has probably been going for, I don't know, maybe three or four years. You might be surprised by that. But as I said, it's hidden in plain sight. And it doesn't look like what we think. It doesn't sound like what we think. But I can tell you story after story after story that Jesus is moving. And we have an invitation to, to, um, to, to help usher it in, not by being at the center of it, but by serving it. And that'll be something that you will need to, to ask the Lord yourself, how can I serve this? If, if that crazy woman with the funny voice is, 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 is uh, true, what, what she's saying, how can I serve this? And that'll take the, uh, the you, you'll need to pray that in. But I ask that you would have an open heart and, and not be like those ones that, that would resist it. At least be open and say, God, I don't fully get this. I don't fully understand. But my, I'm willing. You know, um, that when uh, Jesus is in a house, it's in Luke 8, and, uh, and they yelled out and they said, Jesus, your mum and your, and your brothers are here. And he turned around and he said, who is my mother and my brothers? Who is my mother and my family? Those that hear and obey the word of God. We are the Wano, the family of Jesus, when we hear and obey. And the thing is, it's not this quick thing. It's like hearing and then, you know, quickly going to do it. He's not asking you to do that. But he is asking you to hear and then go away and pray into this. Hear this message. I don't have to convince you. My job is to be the messenger. That's all. I don't have to try and make you believe anything. I'm believing that God is, is speaking and then it's up to you how you receive it and respond. And all I'm asking is that you would um, offer it up to the Lord. What does this really mean, God? What does this mean for me? That's all I'm asking. Um. 
I want to remind this house that you've always been outrageous. And you've got to take your people with you. Because um, that's what happened right at the beginning. You know, I just wrote down here that um, it was outrageous as you rose up and heard the call from Smith Wigglesworth. It was outrageous as the call to come out and navigate a new move uh, of the Spirit with signs following through Seth and Debbie and, and Matua Peter. He, he also is a hero of mine, Peter Robertson. That, um, so this new move, which is hidden and abiding, but it's longing to see its f- fulfilment, and it's a, the mission that was interrupted in the 1800s, that is the desire of God to want to bring it to full completion. You are invited. You are invited to the wedding banquet. I shared this this morning, that parable of, um, of when um, uh, Matthew 22 and it's a story of uh, there was a wedding feast. A king was holding a wedding feast for his son. And he, and he sent his, said to his servants, go out and, and uh, these invitations. But um, the invitations were rejected. And you know, the, the, they were rejected because of commerce. One said, oh, I can't, I've got a business. And uh, one had something else and, and, um, to do with business. And I just thought, gosh, isn't that ironic because that first move of God that, that was started here in the 1800s with Māori was stopped because of commerce. Because people came in and the greed for land um, overrode their, um, their, their wanting to serve um, the Lord and, and, um, and, and allow themselves to come to that wedding feast, which I believe is the, the, the display of, the, of um, reconciliation, the two peoples becoming one, the marriage of the king. So, excuse me. <coughs> we, are, we are in that moment. Because then he said, okay, he, he was ha with that, and he said, okay, go out, and um, ask whoever's on the highways and byways to come because I'm not going to waste this kai. I'm not going to waste this beautiful moment, this banquet, this feast. Whoever's out there, invite them. And I believe there's an invitation to partner in what I believe is happening right now in Aotearoa, that's happening in Te Ao Māori, in the Māori world. You are being given an invitation to partner with this. But the invitation isn't open-ended. I think there, there, is a, there is a time frame to it. And I know that myself and there are others who are taking this message out at the moment. This message of come to the, to the, the, the banquet feast of reconciliation that will produce revival. Come. You've all been invited. Um, we have not been this way before. Every move looks different. We can't look back and, and, and um, say that, you know, I, I'm grateful for all the, the, the previous revivals, but it won't look like that in our um, age. It's going to look different. That was the very nature of every revival that broke out, is it looked different to the way it had been. And that's why it was resisted and not accepted initially until it overwhelmed people. 
So we, we need to be looking and praying. God, show us what, what we cannot see, hidden in plain sight. Allow us to see this. This is the new wine. I just want to read this out of Luke 5. Luke 5, 36 to 39. Then he spoke a parable. I just, he's, you know, parables, man. He was just speaking in parables all the time. And I just remember, like, you know, when I first came to faith, and um, it's like, oh, my gosh, what does that even mean? You know, I was, I was thinking about the, the seed and, the, you know, the parable of the soils and all these parables. But you know what it did? It made me hungry. I remember when I travelled with this, um, she was a prophet from America. Her name was Jill Austin, and I was like her, um, her PA. I travelled around with her. And I, I just remember I reached a point where I was seeing things over people. I was seeing words written over people's heads. And I was just thinking, oh, man, I'm awesome. Oh, I've obviously stepped into some prophetic realm. And, you know, I'm cool. And, uh, but what happened is that when I ended up going back to the, my church in New Plymouth, because I was on staff there, um, I went back and I couldn't see it anymore. And I just thought, oh, and it made me realise that I was under her anointing, so I was able to do things that I wasn't um, previously able to do. But you know what it did to me? It made me realise what I could have. And I went on a journey to find that. I just thought, I can have that. I can step into that. And I think that that, this is the thing that that God wants us to do. It's like he wants to give us a taste so that we will hunger and thirst and keep pursuing this and not to grow weary while doing good and keep seeking him for the confirmation of this. That's all. That's all I'm saying to you. I can't convince you, but I'm asking. Go to him. Ask him for the confirmation. So this new wine... He spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And then he finishes with this, which I find so interesting. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. Now, what does that mean? (laughs) This new that's coming, we initially, it's like, oh, I just like the familiarity of doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I I like to know that at this point of time in the service that this thing is going to happen and... And then we're going to do this, and then, you know, I'm going to live my life like this, and, you know, I'm going to pray like this, and I'm going to get that response. No one immediately desires the new. Because the old speaks of the familiarity, knowing what I've got, this beautiful old wine. I'm comfortable with this old wine. But he's calling us out for something greater and, and better. Because that's what he says here. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires a new. So there is the potential that we will get it. (laughs) But we might not immediately get it. So I feel like that is um, a a hope. So might not get it immediately, but that's why I'm asking you to... to, um, to think about it 
contemplate, pray, pray into this. Because this new wine is here. It's not coming. I tell you, I prophesy to you. It's not coming. It is here. The new wine is here. The new wine is here. The new wine is here in Aotearoa, waiting, waiting. You know, like with revival, we've thought about, um, about it's like rain coming down from heaven. But you know what? I believe that the, the, the picture of this revival is it's like it said in Genesis, what? That the fountains burst out of the earth. Because this revival is coming from Tangata Renua. It's not coming from, um, from America or England. And they're all great, what they're doing. But this is bursting out of the Renua. This is bursting out of our own land. And it's going to sound like us and look like us. And, and the declaration of, uh, to Jesus will sound like us and look like us. It's bursting out of the ground. Fountains coming up. We've been looking in the wrong place. We've been looking up rather than looking down. Praying into it, those wells, those wells, those wells that have been, that have been um, built over. You know what it said about Isaac? Laughter. It said that, that, um, that he redug the wells of his father. Those wells that the enemy had come and, and covered over. They are wells of revival. And if you start looking and tracking to the, the, um, all the, the moves of God that have happened in our own land, it'll, just, it'll, it'll confront you. And, you know, look, I've been listening intently to some of the stories that have come out. These little, like a little town like Pangaroa, who most of you never would have heard, just, just out of, um, of Tauranga. This move of God swept this tiny, it's like a village. That's where Convita Honey started. They all came to faith and they wanted to start up a business. That, um, that they could use for, um, you know, for, for mission and convita honey. They're all Christians. And uh, my friend tells me uh, like what it was like back in those early days of, of um, working in the factory. <laughs> and she, she talked about um, this little Māori community just out of Pangaroa, Mangaweka. She said that, um, that these, these houses, that they were so crammed full of people. It was like, a bit like the story of, of Paul when Paul was preaching, that they were standing outside looking in the windows just so they could hear what was being preached. There are countless stories like this. God is stirring. And I want to provoke you. I want to provoke you to, 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 be, um, to be thinking, how can, I, how can I go out beyond the walls of the church? The church is a good thing. It represents Jesus. We are the representatives of Jesus uh, to the world. You know, this, this beautiful um, community, the body of Christ. But how we navigate this next season, how we allow ourselves to go out, not waiting for them to come in, how we go out as the church, go out into these communities, go out into Tiaumari, being the first one to want to reconcile, being willing to face the opposition. That's our place. Rather than hiding away and waiting for them to come, 
waiting for the rains to come. No, those, I tell you, those fountains are rumbling and bursting and waiting to break out and break open. And I believe he's giving you the opportunity. The, the, um, he's giving you the invitation because of your faithfulness to hold to what God gave you for what, 90 plus years? I acknowledge you tonight. He's giving you another opportunity. Don't let it pass you by, please. Um, I'm going to finish soon, I promise. So... <clears throat> David says, uh, David Garrett said um, that, that he felt that God was giving us a chance to prepare. And um, <clears throat> he said the previous one happened so quick and it took so many people by surprise that many were not only um, not prepared but were unable to be prepared because they were unwilling to change. I was going to say that again. David said he felt that we were being given an opportunity to prepare for this move of God as the previous one happened and took so many people by surprise that many were not only... Uh, sorry. So that, that many people... <laughs> just let me just start again. One more time. I get one more try. David said we were being given an opportunity to prepare for this move of God Whereas the previous one happened and took so many people by surprise that many were not only not prepared, but were unable to be prepared because they were unwilling to change. He said he saw how they tried to mix the new wine and the old wine. Hear this. He said he saw how they tried to mix the new wine and the old wine to accommodate those that were unwilling to move forward. So they tried to accommodate those people that were resistant. And you can't mix the new and the white and the old. What does it say there? The thing bursts. He said he saw how they tried to mix the new wine and the old wine, but how they could not combine and eventually how it imploded because of the inability to recognise this. He had real hope that God was allowing us time to really prepare. And I believe that I'm one of many who are messengers to the, to the church in Aotearoa. Not the church over in America or in, in England or in Scandinavia or Singapore, but the church of Aotearoa, because he has a special design for this place. And it's not about us keeping it to ourselves, but it's so that we will be a blessing to the nations, because that's the whole purpose of what God is doing at the moment, that we will be a blessing to the nations, that we will be a blessing to the nations. It's not about us. Anytime there's a, a move of God, it's never about us. There's always purpose to, to be on us. We get the blessing, but it's, it's, it has to be beyond us. It will carry authenticity. It's one of the marks of this move. It'll be seen as authentic. It'll carry the mark of heaven. And it will be real and true because we're allowing God to, to um, uh, help us to become authentic in ourselves and the way that we display Jesus. This, this authenticity, and, and I'm, I'm not going to get to it tonight, but just the story of David and Goliath. 
you know, that he took on Goliath with a, with a, a sling and a stone. And it was ridiculed because that was like children's uh, uh, toys, children's weapon. And Saul said, you know, after he said, okay, I, I, can, I can let you, um, I, you can go out and you can fight him. I mean, I've got a whole message on it. It's a great message. You have to get me back now. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. <laughs> But um, so Saul said, okay, you can do it, but you have to put on my armor. And so um, David put on Saul's armor, but it says that Saul was a whole head taller than anybody else in Israel. So, of course, it didn't fit David. And um, he said, I can't wear this. I can't walk around. So he went out to confront Goliath with a sling and a stone, and Goliath manifested. He was so angry. Who are you that you would come to me, you little sniveling little boy with a little toy that you think you're going to come and, and how dare you come out? I'm a great warrior, you know, this, this, of this whole thing. And David stood there because he knew who he was in God. And he said, you come at me with a sling, uh, you come at me with a, with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I tell you, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to smash you. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> but there, there was something authentic about who David was, that he didn't try to be flashy and put on someone else's armor. He recognized that that didn't fit him. He had to be who he was and who he was called to be. And authenticity means you know who you are. And not just as you, but it's a... <coughs> <coughs> As a community, as a church, you know who you are. You know who you, your authentic self, who you're called to be, what your place is, what the purpose that God has you here. There's an authenticity, and people respond to authenticity. So David, even though it looked foolish, it was, it was rough and it was raw. But I tell you, all those soldiers and all their glittery armor, armor and all their flash swords... They, they couldn't take down a giant. They were too afraid. He, it was his words that, that caused them to be terrified. He didn't have to pull his sheath out of his sword at all. They were terrified by the words that came out of his mouth. And so when um, David pings him with the, with the stone, kills him, and then uh, goes up, picks up Goliath's own sword and chops his head off, that's a picture of the very thing that is sought to take you out, uh, being overcome, that, uh, the very thing that's sought to destroy you, you actually uh, get to cut it off in the lives of other people. And that's what I was saying about, about Miriam. That's that God's going to use you to cause uh, 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 real stability and peace in a time of increasing anxiety. So, authenticity is what he's looking for. But um, I'm, I'm coming to an end here. And... Um, so, you are a missional people. Rise up. Rise up into it. How can you be missional in this move that is unfolding? Not coming, it's already started. How can you be missional in it? How can you give yourself to it? How can you serve the move that's happening in Te Māori right now? God is positioning people. It's extraordinary. I cannot believe some of the people that I'm seeing that God is placing and, and, um, and uh, uh, raising up right now in Te Ao Māori. These people who outwardly proclaim Jesus as saviour, 
and they're not ashamed. I tell you, they just they just get up there and say that I'm a follower of Christ. And you know, like you've got you know other people going, you know, <laughs> and they don't care. They are coming out boldly, declaring their faith in Jesus, and they're right at the forefront of what God is doing at the moment. They're right at the forefront of what is happening in Tel Māori, in the Māori world. And, and all these, you know, like these big, big areas and big situations that are going on. God is raising up Māori who are, uh, who are full of faith and full of life and full of Jesus and they're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the move I'm telling you about. This is the move that's happening. How can you partner with that? How can you partner with that is the question that I'm going to leave you. Because I'm not giving you the answer. You've got to search this out for yourself. If this is real, if what I'm saying is real, it will be, be resounding inside of you. So I'm, I'm going to finish there. And um, I've just asked the guys. I'm not sure if I can sing, but I'm going to try hard. I wanted to finish with a, a Brooke Fraser song about the new wine. And um, it's the bridge that, that is the, um, that I, you know, I, this, I play this on repeat. But this is the bridge. Because where there is new wine, there is new power. There is new freedom and the kingdom is here. Listen to this. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. Is it all flames that you're willing to, to lay down today to carry the new fire because it's here? Is it all flames? Is it area of, of, of prejudice? Dare I say it, racism? The way that you've looked at the indigenous people of Aotearoa. Is there something of that old flame that you can lay down tonight to carry a new fire today? A new fire to look at things differently, to look at a people group differently, to look at what Jesus is doing amongst that people group differently. Are you willing to do that?